Hey, everyone. Welcome to my show, my so-called fabulous. I'm Tiffany. Welcome, welcome, everyone. And hey, you all have listened to me talk about my Lala, my... I'm finally a fur baby. I'm not a fur baby. I'm a fur mama. I'm finally a fur mama. It took me so many years. And I am bringing to you a fabulous person, a fabulous, fabulous guest, Brad Bevel with Bevel Dog Behavior. Welcome. Thank you, Tiffany. Oh excited to be here. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. So I have to tell everyone, our, fin- our friend Allison Volk, she introduced us. She did. She is absolutely amazing and I'm just so blessed to know you. And I know you from the Dallas Housewives of Dallas. Yes, oh my that was a good time. <laughs> that was a good time. And Allie is amazing. She is the ultimate connector. Oh my gosh. She knows everyone. She knows everyone. Yeah, she's I great. mean, just out of Dallas, a fabulous PR media agency out yes. of Dallas. And she's just amazing. So yes. thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. And your resume is, I mean, Brad, I have done quite a bit of research on you. It's called stalking, I think, these <laughs> days, right? Pretty much. But um, your business, I guess we can just say that when you were nine years old, you've, you, this, this was the turn of your life, right? It was, yeah. And what happened? I mean, you just were, you were in, in Irving on a bike. Irving, yeah, I grew up in Irving, Texas, uh, you know, a very, very humble uh, normal life, family of four. And yeah, I was on my bike riding around the neighborhood and a neighbor had, I guess, like backyard accident and mm-hmm. had some puppies in a box and uh, brought one home. I think they were 25 bucks and uh, brought one home and uh, kind of changed my life. I uh, didn't know it, obviously, at the time. I was just nine, you know, and mm-hmm. brought home this Cocker Spaniel puppy. Um, but yeah, it kind of started my journey of really understanding how to live with animals. With that said, um, you know, prior to that, we did have ducks, a rabbit, a rooster, hamsters, parakeets, um, mice. I mean, I had everything. You had the farm animals. We did. Yeah. And and this is in Irving, just in our backyard. And it was great because, uh, the duck, the rabbit, the rooster, and the dogs all lived together and they all just ate dog food. Oh no. <laughs> Which I know probably sounds terrible now. And listen, that I, I was just a kid. Don't, right. don't blame me. Right. But they all just ate dog food out of the same bowl and they all coexisted and it was beautiful. And to me, that was just normal. Right. I didn't sit back and go, whoa, this is like really exceptional. Uh-huh. How are all these animals getting along? It was just normal. <laughs> they you know? just co- coexisted. Yeah. So I think that imprint and my, I don't think my parents were doing it on purpose. I think they just wanted us to you know, as kids to have animals and to enjoy them. And, um, you know, they both grew up pretty poor. My mom's from Oak Cliff, my dad from Pleasant Grove. Um, and I think I, I don't, that, that was a, an imprint that, that they gave me that I don't even think they intended to give me that changed the course of my life. And it was, uh, it's a beautiful thing that I'm very, very grateful for. So you, that time you had your animals and you went to college, you were a college athlete, correct? I was, yeah. I played baseball. Yeah. I mean, you're in baseball. And um, graduated with exercise- Sports science. Sports science yeah. degree. And so, okay. So you you got, you, you graduated college, started personal training. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So fitness is very important in your life. Yes. Discipline is very important in my Discipline. life. Discipline. Yeah. Exactly. And I'm sure seeing the transformation, um, gosh, we have so many, we have a few correlations. I was a personal trainer for many, many years. Okay. Still keep my certificate just because, you oh, know, nice. looks nice on my resume, yeah. but, um, but 
just the transformation and um, how people think mm-hmm. and, you know, um, people think, oh, you're so lucky because you're fit. No, I work my ass off. That's right. You know what I mean? Like yeah. there's no luck involved. There is not luck. Yeah. You know, I get to get up every day. Oh, genetics. Ex- mm. no, no. I'm not eating cheese puffs at midnight. No, no. But the, 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 the clients that I would have that would say, you know, I do, I do everything right, but I just can't lose weight. And how, what I feel felt like with, with that, that, that thought process, I was like, how in the world could I change that person's behavior if I couldn't get inside their mind? Right. So Can't. tell us how, I'm sure because being a personal trainer and then being in your dog behavior business, yeah. how does that correlate? Oh my God, it's the exact same thing. <laughs> it's the same it's thing. It's literally right? like the same skill set. I'm just 45 instead of 25. Right. And I've got a lot more experience reading humans. I think the reason I loved uh, personal training was one, as an athlete, uh, I had trained my whole life. Um, and it was obviously just important to me and it, and it came pretty naturally. Um, but, uh, it, it, teaching someone how to do a proper curl was not what excited me. What excited me was the human transformation part. It was figuring out the human, how their brain worked, what they felt, what they thought, where their hurdles were in their, uh, fitness journey and unlocking those moments that would help push them forward and get results. And, uh, you know, today I'm happy to fire a client that won't do the work. And that was the same when I was 25. Wow. Fire yeah. a client who won't do the work. I mean, won't if, do the work. if you're going to pay me to show up every week, the same weight with no changes, because you're not doing what I ask you to do outside of our sessions, I don't want to work with you because there's people who want the change. Mm-hmm. And it's the same with dogs. If you're not willing to run our program, I'm out. And, and, that, and that just makes sense, I can't sense, want right? it more than them. No, no, not at all. So, and so how that correlates with dogs is dogs aren't the issue. Dogs are easy. Um, I'm, I'm going to overstate this because it's, it's what Brad Bevel does. <laughs> I'm bored with dogs. Are you? Dogs are easy. Right. Like every issue you can think of I've dealt with and fixed. Have I'm you? bored of it. I never get bored of helping people Wow. ever. And it's just like with fitness, I'm bored of teaching you how to do a proper curl, mm-hmm. but I'm not bored of figuring out how to get you where you want to go. That's amazing. And that, I love that. So that is so true. 1000% true. And that's why I'm so passionate about bevel dog behavior and what we do because it's human education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we re- re- rehabilitate dogs. Yeah, we've had some brutal cases that took months and months and months. Um, Yes, I feel great joy when we get that dog to a balanced state, of course, but ultimately it's about the human changing. And if you're not willing to change, if, if your question to me is, how soon can I stop doing the program? Right. I'm out. Right. It's like, how soon can I stop, start eating Snickers for breakfast again? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, I don't know, never, maybe. Right. Go back into those patterns. Right. Mm-hmm. So your business, you, you, after you, you were personal training and then went into corporate America, I I'm laughing, not laughing because you are so disciplined, taught yourself web design, basically yes. graphics. I mean, everything and did that staying up all night, Yes. went into corporate America thinking that was the pie in the sky. I'm sure that was going to be your career, right? First of all, you did a lot of research. I'm very That's proud of That's what I do, guys. <laughs> Second of all. <laughs> You're like, dang. Um, no, actually the opposite of that. Really? So 
I didn't think it was a pie in the sky. I didn't think, uh, if I understood you correctly, mm-hmm. I didn't think this was going to be like some great thing. You didn't. I never wanted to be in corporate America. Really? Okay. No, never. I, I was going to be a, mar- my dad was a Marine. Okay. So that's the discipline. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was going to be a baseball coach, a fireman, a Marine, uh, a rancher. Discipline. Any, anything. Yeah. Discipline and outside and tangible. Mm-hmm. Hands on. Right. Work. Real work. Mm-hmm. And so but I was part of that generation that, uh, you know, we, there was no college courses on design, graphic design. There were no college courses on, uh, web development, uh, digital marketing, social media didn't exist. No. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, I graduated college and what was that? Uh, 98, none of that existed. No. So I was part of the generation who just like, we all figured it out at home mm-hmm. on our own and we shared, like, it was a very open culture. Like, um, as developers, like you would share code and be like, this fixed that and this fixed that. And, and, you know, here's how you do this. It was a very open thing. Mm-hmm. No one wanted to control it because there was no teachers really, mm-hmm. you know? So it's a super cool thing to be a part of. And yeah, I started learning design and video editing and, and web development and all that stuff. And I just, yeah, I taught myself. So what happened is because there were so few of us, I just fell into a job. So my first personal training job was at Nokia. And at the time, it was the number eight brand in the world and the number one handset maker in the world, Nokia. Wow. Or you probably called it Nokia. Nokia. That's <laughs> yeah. what I was going to I'm glad you said so, it, not me. <laughs> um, that's where I personal trained and I was personal training, um, you know, some executives and, and uh, some other employees. And I fell into this web development job. And from there, I just, it just kind of took off. And I ended my career there as the global head of digital marketing for for the Mm -mm. games business. Mm -mm. I was like 20, I don't know, 20 something, seven, had a mohawk, black fingernails (laughs) and like a $10 million budget. Oh my (laughs) God. It was great. It was great. I was traveling the world. I mean, it was, Mm -hmm. yeah, it was amazing and I loved it, but I like sit back and just be like, how did I even get here? Mm -hmm. Because I thought I was going to be a Marine, a fireman or a ranger. But uh, this is going to sound very Brad of me, but (laughs) most of the world is really mediocre Mm -hmm. and I'm willing to work harder. Right. Yeah. And that's it. Me too. Yeah. Just willing to work harder. Yeah. And you can do almost anything if you just outwork everyone. Exactly. Oh my gosh. My husband would love you. He's, he just outwork everyone, get up earlier, go faster, That's it. be more efficient. Now there's downsides and Mm -hmm. we can talk about that later. There's Mm -hmm. downsides like to mental health, to physical health, Mm -hmm. to relationships, Mm -hmm. kids. I mean, there's downsides to my approach, but, uh, it's worked, you know, in terms of accomplishing certain goals. Oh, sure. Um, so that's kind of what happened. I just outworked everyone mm-hmm. and I ended up with this big role. And then I got there and I was like, how do I get out of this? <gasps> yes. Isn't that something? Yeah. Wow. So I, I moved over to a slower company, uh, a different industry, Fluor Corporation, which is um, like a basically a huge engineering firm. Uh, they compete with Halliburton, do a lot mm-hmm. of pharmaceutical plants and autom- uh, automobile plants and things like that. And uh, so I got some B2B marketing experience, super boring, bunch of white A&M graduates with mustaches. No offense, A&M <laughs> listeners. Whoop. I love you. Yeah. <laughs> Thumbs up. Really? But, but I'm just saying it was just like, yeah. I'm a very, I mean, you see me, I'm a just, yeah, I'm not that 
And so these beautiful tattoos, everyone. (laughs) It it was culture shock for me, uh, but enjoyed my time, learned a ton about B2B marketing, which was great. Uh, And then I ran an uh, advertising agency in San Francisco for five and a half years, which was amazing. Brad, you're not that old. Good grief. 45. Put some time in. <laughs> Got some time on you, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so did that. And then that life, if you've ever worked in the agency world, there is no off. Mm-mm. And I was working ridiculous hours and I was traveling every other week. So I, I traveled like 26 to 30 weeks a year. Right. And Gosh. had just gotten married and had a home in Dallas. And uh, like, it was brutal. Yeah. Um, so that was rough. Uh, but talk about learning, like, whoa, mm-hmm. I was running a company. Sure. So it set me up for Bevel Dog Behavior because I was doing all aspects, you know. Right. And so at the end of that, I was like, I've got to slow down. So I went to the restaurant industry, became vice president of marketing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> vice president of marketing for a restaurant concept out of Canada that was moving into the U.S. and Mexico. Um, helped reshape that brand, um, build really solid processes and, and team. And, um, mm-hmm. it, it was amazing. Cause I got franchise experience mm-hmm. as a franchisor, which I had never had. Um, and then just a lot of really great marketing, advertising and branding experience, uh, on, on the client side versus being on the, sure. the agency side, which was great. But all of that, the reason I went through all of that, sorry to bore you guys is each step gave me a skill set that made bevel dog behavior blow up day one. Wow. You know? And so when people want things, like when I hear a 24 year old talking about what they want and how they want it to happen tomorrow, Mm -hmm. it's, I'm not saying it's impossible, but maybe put your time in. And also when you're supposedly miserable or not happy with your job, why aren't you looking at the things you could be learning that are going to get you to your perfect job. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's a people, maybe it's your relationships, maybe it's something in finance, maybe it's something in marketing, advertising and branding, maybe it's something in HR, but why aren't you taking time to learn lessons in the role you're in that are going to help you get the role you want? Sure. Right. And if all you can think about is how you're not getting paid enough or your boss sucks or whatever, you're missing it. Yeah. Because the whole time I was doing what I was doing, I was just databasing information, knowing that at some point I'm going to have my own business. I didn't know what it was going to be. Right. I just knew I was going to work for myself. And learn. Just learn. That's right. Oh, yeah. And that's it. I I agree. I, I, I find that's a missing piece. This word is used a lot. I think it's overused, but intellectual curiosity, like you have to be curious mm-hmm. uh, intellectually you, and, and you have to ask questions and you need to become friends with the head of finance, the head of HR, the head of marketing that like you, you need to learn from sure. these people. They can mentor you mm-hmm. so that you can get where you want to get. And, 1000%. And without using them, right? Like there was nothing there. I was never uh, disingenuous about my relationships within corporate America, but I definitely was strategic. And so, boom, sure. Bevel Dog Behavior is born. There we go. Yeah. So tell us about Bevel Dog Behavior because you have you have trained for some really, really, let's say, high-profile people. Yes. And I'm sure you have trained people like myself, right? You're high-profile. No, I'm not. Great chef. <laughs> Podcast host? He said a badass chef earlier. Yeah. I said, yeah, that might be me. Uh, but then Paul said, I can't cuss. Oh, yeah, that's right. Sorry. Look at Paul going, really? <laughs> hey. <laughs> 
so so tell us how tell us all about your business. Okay. Um I think the easy, easiest way to describe Bevel Dog Behavior is we are uh, human educators. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, we rehabilitate dogs. Yes, we teach dogs new life skills. But ultimately, the dogs come into us with the issues they have because of the humans that are around them. It's not normal for an animal in nature to have imbalances. It's not normal for, uh, like, for example, a, a coyote or a wolf out in nature is not going to have separation anxiety or aggression or uh, severe fear unless it's solely dedicated uh, to survival, right? Uh, so the things that, that the humans that we are putting on our, our pets, uh, it, it, it ultimately it's like, here, Brad, rehabilitate my dog. Okay, I can, but if we put them back in that same environment, they're gonna develop the same neurotic behaviors. So we're human educators who rehabilitate dogs. Um, My job didn't exist 75 years ago. Mm -mm. There's no no way your parents send a dog to someone like you. No. Because 75 years ago, life wasn't this easy. And we didn't treat our pets the way we're treating them now. As um, I said to Paul earlier, like uh, an extension of your personal brand Mm -hmm. or an accessory or a fur baby, as you as I put it, because we're, we're treating them like infants. We're not treating them like kids. So like, mm-hmm. there's a big debate, not a debate, but uh, a lot of trainers say, well, the biggest issue today is dog owners treats their, treat their dogs like kids. Wrong. They treat them like infants. If they treated them like children, there would be rules, boundaries, and limitations. You would control what the kid watches, how long he watches it, what he eats, how much he eats, when he goes to bed, when he gets up, who he hangs out with, how long he hangs out with him, what parks he goes to, mm-hmm. what school he goes to, when he brushes his teeth, when he goes to potty. You, as a parent, you control everything in an attempt to create balance in your child's life because uh, you have to get the right portions of the right stuff at the right time to create a well-behaved and a happy kid. That's the same thing with raising a dog. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing that. We're going, here's total freedom. There's no rules, boundaries, or limitations. Total freedom to the house, total freedom to the ex, uh, outside world, total, because freedom equates to happiness, except for the part where it doesn't because I booked 10 months out dealing with dogs who have total freedom. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Period. You know what? I have to say, Brad. I do treat Lala, my five-year-old. Um, she, I, she has boundaries. She doesn't have freedom. Like Love she, it. she, she is severe. <laughs> but she, you're, you're a mom. Yeah, I am a mom. And, and, but she, I was telling you earlier, she's trained me because she wants to go walk and, and dogs need exercise like people need exercise. And so she wants to go to the trails in the morning and night. So she won't go poop out back. She's like, I want to go with mom and dad to the trails. She'll poop out back. I mean, if she has to go badly enough, she will. will. You just got to wait. Yeah. Yeah, If you want to change that pattern, you wait. So, um, anytime I have a client tell me this just came up yesterday, uh, and I have a great story about my dog won't poop in the backyard. Um, <laughs> there's, there's two of me. Any, oh, there's <laughs> many lots. 
Um, anytime you have an issue like that, it's a pattern that's been created by the human and the dog's just doing what the human has, has asked. Um, the human just doesn't know they created that pattern. So if you want her to poop in the backyard, you put her in the backyard before the walk and you wait until she poops, mm. period. I don't care how long it takes. You wait. Mm-hmm. You say, good girl, and you go on a walk and then that's it. It's over. I had a client one time. I'll tell the story because it's funny. Uh, did the follow-up after training and, you know, Brad, everything's going really well, but he will not, I have to take him in the alley on a leash so he'll poop. He will not poop in the backyard. I was like, okay, can we go in the backyard? Oh, also he wouldn't eat in his crate. And so I put him in his crate and put a bowl of food down and he ate the whole thing right in front of us. <laughs> I was like, I don't know. It looks, like looks like he'll eat in the crate. <laughs> of course. So, and I'll, I'll give you why this is happening. So then, oh, but he won't go potty in the backyard. I'm like, all right, can we take him in the backyard? Because keep in mind, he just ate. And typically they have bowel movements like 10 to 30 minutes after they eat. So I'm like, we have a pretty good chance he's going to poop in the backyard, right? Let's go in the backyard. So I take him out there and uh, there's a patio, like a, a deck and we're standing on it and he goes into the grass area and she follows him and uh, she's walking around behind him. And I go, client name, can you come back up on the deck and just talk to me. So I positioned myself in a way where her back was to the yard. So she couldn't even see him or project nervous helicopter energy on the dog. The human client. That's right. Okay. And so I'm talking to her, talking to her off topic, like whatever, how's life, mm-hmm. like how's work, whatever. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I watch him and he's smelling the grass. He goes around the corner of the house and I said, client name. Uh, he just went to the side of the house in about 15 seconds. He's going to come sprinting around the corner. And there's going to be a pile of poop over there that you can go look at. 15 seconds later, here he comes. He comes around the corner. She's like, there's no way. He, there, there's no, I go, go over there. She goes over there. Oh my God, he pooped. And I was like, yeah, because you weren't helicoptering over him. Like, do you want someone watching you poop? No. Or helicoptering? Like, are you going to poop? Are you going to poop? Let's poop. <laughs> poop on, on demand. Let's go. Poop. <laughs> And I was just like, you need to relax, yeah. like let him be a dog yes, and relax. And from then on, mm-hmm. he pooped in the backyard, but there's this helicoptery tense, like the human wants this thing because we have to get to dinner or mm-hmm. I have to get to work or I just don't want to be out here. It's cold or it's raining. Mm-hmm. My dog won't poop in the rain. Had the client tell me that the other day, it was raining. Swear to God, before she got off my street, I sent her a video of her dog pooping in my yard. Wow. My dog hates the rain. Does he? Because he's running around my yard, peeing and pooping and like doesn't care at all. So it's that energy of the human that creates the nervousness and dogs don't pee or poop or eat when they're nervous, anxious. Right. Right. I I believe that because I'm tapping my foot. Let's go. I got to go. I got to go do a podcast. Let's go. Yeah, they can't. They can't be around that. Now, wait a minute. Now, please forgive me because I am a first time owner. I mean, but I have her walk, we walk her and then we feed her. Is that backwards? No, that's great. It's okay. Yeah. Because, because dogs, uh, predators and scavengers have to work for food. Mm -hmm. So they have to walk first to find it or Mm -hmm. to kill it. They have to run. So first exercise, then food. Right. Yeah. Perfect. Okay. Yeah. You're tapping into instinct. That's good. Okay. Yeah. And I didn't know that. That's, that's, that's true. I did not know. But that's I right. didn't know that. I'm, you're, you're I'm not, it. I'm learning here, but we do have some, some serious boundaries at our house, but Love it. 
you know, she's my first and I just love her so much. Brad, I just can't believe I waited 54 years, 52 years to have to to have this in my life. And you said to me earlier, what? Right dog, right time. Exactly. Yeah, don't, no, don't beat yourself up. I mean, it's called responsible pet ownership, in my opinion. I think you waited until you felt stable and settled mm-hmm. and you could give a dog what they need versus a lot of people that get them way too soon. Way too soon. Unstable right? or the parent that gets the kid, the dog, but the kid's... 16 and they're going to college in two years, Right, it's not their dog. Right, And if the parent's not invested, like it is the parent's dog mm-hmm. and they will raise it. And if the parents aren't invested, the poor dog suffers. Right. So I think right dog, right time. You know, um, and I, and I've told my audience this before, um, that I was at a very young age, I was mauled by a, a standard poodle and I was a curious child. She had babies she was being, inst- I mean, and I, I went and, and fair enough now, but for all of those years, I was scared to death of every animal, yeah. not just a dog. So, you know, my ex-husband said, you've got to do something because our child is now scared of dogs and right. she shouldn't be. There's right. That's not normal. Right. So I did. I just said, finally, all my friends, I said, you know, I'm going to get a dog. And they're like, no, you're not. You're not getting down. And I did. I did a lot of research. I was told she was Bichon. She's not a Bichon. She might have just a smidge, but I don't care. She's an underbite and she's perfect. I love that. She's perfect. But, you know, um, it took a long time to get to that spot, but that's that's where I am now. And I just, everyone's was like, are you getting another one? No, I just, I'm happy where we are. And I can't imagine if we brought another pet into the house How do you do that when this pet Mm. has been with me for five years? Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like, is that an issue or a lot of people do that though? Yeah, no, it's just, uh, yeah, balance and and consistency and fairness and clarity, uh, and fulfillment in the home. And so any being that you bring in, whether it's an infant or it's a a, a infant baby, a human Human. or a dog (laughs) or a rabbit or a cat or what it's, it's about creating, uh, Clarity, consistency, fairness, safety, peace, love yes. into the home. And then you can bring anything you want to the home. In there. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah the, the, when we have issues bringing new pack members in, uh, it's because there's an imbalance in the home to begin with. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I work for uh, Cesar Milan, who most people know as the dog whisperer. Mm-hmm. And he has a 43-acre ranch out in Santa Clarita, California, where he has anything and everything you can think of. I mean, donkeys, uh, emus, uh, goats, sheep, turtles, oh my goodness. ducks, uh, God, I mean, it just goes on and on, right. obviously dogs. Um, and they all live in harmony. I mean, he can get every species in the, the dog park mm-hmm. with the dogs and they all just hang out together. And that's because he grew up on a farm in Mexico and kind of like me, he didn't realize that what he was doing was a big deal. It was just kind of life, right, you know? Right. And so for him, for all those species to live together is like, that's normal. It's not normal for them not to get along. Right. So we're all coming from this place of we're so detached from ranch life because we're multiple generations. I mean, you and I, maybe not as much, but especially like millennial Gen Zs, they're, they're multiple generations away from grandpa having a ranch. Mm-hmm. That, multiple that they don't even know Mm-mm. how to interact with animals. Yeah. Uh, I always make a joke that bevel dog behavior would do $0 in revenue a year in Montana 
because, well, now with all the executives buying homes up there, I could right, probably never make a mind. business. But, <laughs> but you know, it, I, I would have no business from um, true old school Montana folks mm-hmm. because they all know how to live with animals. They don't need a behaviorist to teach them that what they're doing to their dog is wrong. Right. They know how to fulfill animals. Mm-hmm. They know how to be with animals and they know how not to create uh, neurotic behaviors. We were in Big Sky one summer for vacation. It was beautiful. And they were having a festival and it was food and music and art. It was amazing. And there's, I don't know, a few hundred people there and probably 75 dogs, most off leash. Right. Not one issue, not, but also not one person going, Oh my God, (laughs) is that a blue healer? (laughs) I love blue healers. Oh no. There wasn't, not one person did that. So no all one was the, behaving that way. All the dogs just hung out. All the people hung out. There was food everywhere. No dogs were jumping up and trying to grab, you know, the, the barbecue, whatever. Um, but that's because all the humans there as a community were acting the same way, wow. which was respectful of the animals. So it's like, I get paid to teach common sense. Right. That's exactly. It. Yeah. That's true. Well, what are your thoughts on, and you talked about a little bit, gifting uh, a 16-year-old a a puppy or whatever the case may be. You know, we are approaching the holidays. We're here. We're, I mean, when when we're airing, approaching the holidays, what are your thoughts on, oh, I'm I'm gifting a puppy for my kids for Christmas or Hanukkah or whatever the case may be. What are Um, your thoughts on that? My thoughts first on the holidays are my Christmas lights went on my house November 1st and my Christmas tree was up November 7th. You personally? Yeah. Wow. Everything's done. So just so you know, I'm a Christmas guy. You're a Christmas guy. I love it. Okay. So all these people that say, keep your tree in the shed until December 1st. No, not not me. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Your kids love it. Oh, Henry loves it. Um, Anyway, to, to your question. Um, yeah, this is a time of year where a lot of puppies are purchased. And um, I think it's fine. I, I think it's great. I, I, I think getting a puppy for Christmas uh, for your kids or for your family is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with it. doesn't matter when you get a dog, whether you're rescuing or you're buying from a responsible breeder. I don't care. Um, I think where people struggle is, is they think that this is going to become, for the kids especially... Uh, almost like a toy or a stuffed animal Mm -hmm. or something that, um, oh, look how cute the puppy is. And my kids just love the dog. But you got to remember that that is a being who needs certain things. And if you're going to purchase a being and trap it in your home, I think you should understand a little bit about that species Mm -hmm. before you do it. I think it's unfair uh, and I'll, I'll tell you, our business explodes every January, February. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> like we just, we can't even respond to everyone because we got this new puppy and it's out of control. Well, it's out of control because the first second you met it, all you did was give it affection and the puppy needs more than affection. I'm sorry. Yeah. yeah. You know, I need more than a hug to make me a balanced person. Mm-hmm. I need more than a kiss to keep, make me a balanced person. Mm-hmm. And so do dogs. Right. And so I, I think there should be, there, there's, a, there's some form of responsibility that the parents have to take to go, hey, we're purchasing and trapping this animal in our home. We need to understand how its brain works and what it needs to be happy. Mm-hmm. Right. It is not a toy. 
No. It is not an accessory. It is not a brand extension of our family. It is a real living, breathing being that needs things. The other thing is how can I use this being to teach my kids responsibility, not to make them feel good, mm -hmm. to be their, uh, uh, what do they call it? Uh, support animal or emotional support animal, whatever you're supposed to be the dog's emotional support animal, uh, human, like emotional support, human. Sure. Mm -hmm. Exactly. That's what you should be. Right. It's not the dog's job to make us feel better. Now they will, they will make us, I have clients all the time about to go on a tangent. I have clients all the time who come in and go, my kid has anxiety. I want this dog to be the, their emotional support dog. And I say, we can accomplish that, but it's going to be the opposite way you think. I, I do not believe in allowing your child to dump their anxiety on this dog. I do not believe uh, that this dog has the ability to support anxiety. I think therapists do who have a PhD. I think a therapist with a PhD can help your kid. Mm -hmm. Here's how the dog can help. Right. We give responsibility to your child. We have them get up. We have them walk the dog. We have them feed the dog. We have them train the dog. The uh, confidence that I've seen in children through doing that is amazing. Wow. Having them come to my house and walk a pack of 10 dogs. The confidence is amazing. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. So the dog can end up supporting the child because we're teaching the child responsibilities, how to take care of the dog, how to train the dog, how to keep the dog balanced. That is amazing. And that is emotional support. That, yes. But exactly. not laying in bed, holding the dog. Exactly. Dumping yeah. anxiety on it. Oh, I know. You know what I mean? So I'm all for it. And by the way, if, if there's any listeners who have an emotional support dog being used in that way, I'm not judging mm -mm. at all. This is just information. It's education. It's my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, take it or leave it. But what I've seen change kids' lives is responsibility. Right. And the bond that they create with the dog is beautiful oh. because not only does the dog want to be with them, but the dog respects them, trusts them, and ends up wanting to be with the kid more than the parents, which then makes the kid happy, right. confident. And you can just see them change. It's beautiful. Beautiful, it's a beautiful. transformation. It oh, is. That is amazing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. My dog loves my daughter. Like, oh, oh my gosh. They just, it, I'm kind of jealous. I mean, Are I really you? am because I don't know. I guess I'm the disciplinarian. I'm like, do not, do not do this. Don't go on this. Yeah. You know, I'm, yeah, yeah, I'm yeah. setting the boundaries. Sure. And um, Kennedy, my daughter, that dog just, I'm like, she'll just snuggle up with her and, but. When it's so, food time, when it's, when it's, boy, she's on me. Or if I'm having a photo shoot at my house, mm. people come over to my house, you know, she's right there with me. She's watching. She yeah. just won't leave me, my eyes. It's just, I mean, I want to tear up because she's so, so I, I, I don't know if that's, it's, I guess it's like a parent child relationship, you know? Kind of. Yeah. I mean, one, one thing, one way to look at it is, and this is what I'm hearing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You're saying my dog <laughs> loves my daughter. And what I'm hearing is uh, your daughter's probably a weak source of energy who gives a ton of affection and the dog has claimed her. And so uh, she's definitely going to be gravitate towards that weaker source of energy, um, whereas she respects you more. Okay. I, um, I don't disagree. And you, you, you provide yes. her needs and mm -hmm. you provide the things that create the safety, the peace, uh, the balance in the home. 
and Kennedy just provides mm. affection. No. Yeah, well, it's, okay, so then we can get into what is love. Exactly. But this is true. This is true. Because what is love? Affection's not love. Right. That's uh, true. I have uh, had, <laughs> I've, how do I say this uh, politically correct for your podcast? <laughs> I have had relationships with people that I did not love. There you go. But there was physical contact involved. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, I got it. That's not love. No, 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 no. That's not love. Yeah. So I'm not saying your dog doesn't uh, want to be around Kennedy and I'm right. not saying she's not providing something that your dog mm -hmm. appreciates, but I wouldn't feel jealous about it. Mm -hmm. I would just go, hmm, she's attracted to a weaker source of energy who just gives affection. <laughs> Hear that, Kennedy? But she ultimately <laughs> feels safe yes. with mom. She ultimately feels more balanced with mom because you provide the discipline piece and discipline does not mean punishment. Right. No, no, gosh, no, no. Discipline means, uh, like, like Olympic athletes are disciplined. Consistency, right? Consistency too. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Follow through. Mm -hmm. So that's what you provide, mm -hmm. which is far more important than affection. Right. But that doesn't mean the dog's not going to be attracted to right. the affection piece. Mm -hmm. So whenever I walk in a room, I want dogs to go away from me. They're going to go to weaker source energy and then they're going to respect me mm -hmm. and they're going to follow me when they wouldn't follow that other source. Wow. They said something. So my wife, um, Andrea, when I first started the business, I'd have 20 dogs in the yard and she, there were certain dogs that she always wanted to like pet or be around or whatever. And they were always just by me. And she's like, I don't get it. Like I give, I, you never give them affection. You have so many rules, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, they feel safe. They wow. feel led. They feel guided. There's clarity, consist consistency, fairness, like they won't, are attracted to that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So you don't have to manipulate uh, your dog. You don't have to negotiate with your dog. Give them what they need and they'll be right by your side. And part of what they need is discipline. They need structure. They need order. Mm -hmm. So I have this, this string of things that dogs need. First, order. Order can create a sense of safety. Safety creates a sense of comfort. Comfort allows you to see opportunities. And this is for humans too. Mm -hmm. Allows you to see opportunities and opportunities allows you to pursue happiness. So if you want happiness, you have to have order, safety, comfort, and the ability to see opportunity. That makes sense? It makes perfect sense. So if you're in a third world country, there's no, if there's no order and there's no safety, there's no comfort. And if there's no comfort, you can't see the opportunities mm -hmm. in front of you. You're literally in survival mode. Mm -hmm. So there is no happiness. Mm. Order first. What allowed me to drive through all the, the green lights on the way here is I believe in the order the local government has set up, which made me feel safe enough to just drive through the green light. Mm -hmm. I believe in it. Mm -hmm. So do you. Mm -hmm. We all do. Mm -hmm. And we know there's repercussions for breaking that order. Mm -hmm. And we believe they're going to follow through on it. So it's order, safety, comfort. Once I feel comfortable, now I can start to see, oh my God, there's a gap in Dallas, Fort Worth for a dog behaviorist. I can make a business that will do really well here. So order, safety, comfort, boom. I saw an opportunity and now I'm pursuing my happiness. I love that. And it's the same with your dog. It's the same thing. Same thing. Yeah. None of this stuff is species specific. I don't teach anything that's really specific to dogs, except that their nose is a bigger part of the, of their, uh, 
the way they view the environment than a human, mm -hmm. right? It's like understand like basic dog stuff, nose, eyes, ears, right? Um, what their brain is doing, how associations work. Like that's all kind of dog specific, but most of this is just psychology in general. Right. That is amazing. Yeah. You're a wise one. No. Not <laughs> no. A lot of experience, right? If you want me to start talking about all my shortcomings, <laughs> let me know. That's another podcast. Yeah, it's like an hour and a half. <laughs> that's right. So during the holidays, and actually we, we, we're huge TCU fans and we'll have gatherings. And how do you, how should you handle dogs in the home with gatherings? That's a good question. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously, first of all, your dog needs a life skill, um, that is called, uh, sit still and be quiet. Right. So your kid needs that life skill to be able to go to church to go to a funeral, to go to a wedding, to sit at a dinner party, to uh, be in a doctor's office, wait, the, the waiting room, mm -hmm. you know, the dentist, I mean, the school, right? Like kids need this skill set, this life skill called sit still and be quiet. And your dog needs that same uh, life skill. Now, it's not fair to ask your dog to sit still and be quiet when they haven't been fulfilled mentally and physically that day. So the first thing, if you know you're having a bunch of people over for the holidays, or any other reason, exercise the crap out of your dog <laughs> to the point that they're exhausted. So a nice long walk, a jog, um, make sure you're doing mental activities as well, which is like asking them to control their impulse. So uh, if you're going to play fetch, throw the ball first, make the dog wait, then let them go get it. Don't just let them chase the ball. Create, instead of Chuck E. Cheese, I want you to create martial arts. Mm -hmm or baseball, like baseball is a, a very strategic game because there's umpires who enforce a certain set of rules and you have to work within those rules to come up with strategies to beat the other team. It, you don't really run that much in baseball. There's a lot of standing around. Mm -hmm. You only bat three or four times a game. So it's not the physical part that wears you out. It's the mental part, the strategy part. So if you can make your fetch go from Chuck E. Cheese to baseball or Chuck E. Cheese to martial arts, you work in the brain. Like I can wear a dog out in 15 minutes by just creating new rules they've never had before. Right. So don't just let your dog sniff everything on the walk, pull you around, mark everything. Create some rules. No marking, no sniffing, no pulling. Walk behind me and we're going to go for 45 minutes. And every time you have the impulse or the urge to do any of those things, I'm going to ask you not to. And that process is going to wear them out hmm. mentally. Right. I have a lot of clients like, I walk my dog four miles every morning and four miles every night. And I'm like, cool. I'm going to walk them for like a quarter mile and bring them back exhausted. <laughs> because what they're doing is they're walking a, a, a Chuck E. Cheese dog. He's just like. Right. <laughs> like sniffing everything, marking everything, yes. jumping on barking. And, you know, and it's like, no, no, no. Like we need martial arts. Mm -hmm. You have to be respectful when you walk in the dojo. There's certain uh, rules about how you interact with uh, the sensei, mm -hmm. you know, like, yeah, there's the physical part, the, the hitting and the kicking, but what's more taxing on, on you is the mental part is being respectful of the space mm -hmm. and of the rules and boundaries and limitations that that space requires. Right. You know? Right. So wear them out. That's wear the first out. one. Yeah. Wear them out. The second one is if they can't interact or be integrated into a group of humans calmly, then keep them on a leash so that you can um, interrupt any 
potential uh, overexcited moments. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the time to do that, that your dog should be crate trained so that you can just place them in the crate. Right. Because if you've worn out the body and the mind and then you fulfilled the heart with affection that morning or with play or whatever it is your dog loves, they're fulfilled body, mind, heart. At that point, they're happy. Put them in the crate and let them rest while you have your party. That's a great option. Wow. I haven't had her in a crate in a long time. Long yeah, time. But we, we crate to. trained her. We did for Yeah, a long. she needs to. Um, when do birds quit sleeping in nests? How old? <laughs> I got it. <laughs> <laughs> got it. Yeah. I got it. Check. Yeah. I mean, that. I mean that's, I just thought that a crate was uh, discipline. Like, uh, no, it's go their, to your room. It's their home. It's their, I mean, I do go to my room. Yeah. When I want a break. When, I, when I'm overwhelmed by my client's energy or I'm overwhelmed by the dogs I'm rehabbing and I need a break, I go to my room. That's a beautiful, it's the calmest, most peaceful place in my home. I remember I'm much older than you, but um, George George Carlin, he did Are a- Are you he, kidding me? He, he, He's one of my heroes. <laughs> oh no, he did a comedy show one time. I think it was, I can't even remember what it was, but he said, my parents would say, go to your room, go to your room. He's like- Great, that's where all my crap is. Sweet, yeah. <laughs> totally. He said they they thought they were disciplinary, and I saw all where my crap is. That's so right. that's great. So yeah. so that makes sense. Same. Thank you, Brad. Yeah. Good luck. Well, I mean, your your, your bedroom is a crate. Yes. It's the same thing, and the only argument you can make is, yeah, but I have the ability to open the door. Well, yeah, you do. But the thing is, is if you're doing your job, fulfilling your dog's body, mind, and heart before you put them in their bedroom, they need to rest. Mm-hmm. Dogs sleep a lot. Wow, I mean to tell you, I had to ask someone, is this normal? Like yeah. she sleeps all day. Yeah, it's normal. I mean, but that's the thing is like, so why does it matter if she's sleeping there yeah. or there? There or there, yeah. It doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. So, yeah, I think that that skill set is a skill set every dog needs. By the way, if you're going to take your dog to the groomer, mm-hmm. the vet, or a boarding place, they're going to be in a crate. Yeah, that's true. So they need the skill set. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you're doing them a disservice because they're going to be an anxious wreck and they're going to be miserable while you're gone. And that's, that's not fair. Not fair. Mm-mm. That's not fair. And that's right. That's a great point. So before the party, before the holiday event, exercise body and mind, mm-hmm. fulfill heart, make sure they're totally content and ex- exhausted. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then if they can place on a bed and stay, do that. Mm-hmm. If they can't, you can have them on leash so you can interrupt any moments where they might counter surf or jump on a kid mm-hmm. or jump on grandma or mm-hmm. something like that. Mm-hmm. If you don't want to do that, then you can crate. Right. But that's the best way to do it. And teaching your dog a solid place, meaning they go to their bed and just stay there until they're invited to do something else, goes a long way because you're essentially put them, putting them in a crate, but with no walls around mm-hmm. it, right? So right. It's, a, it's a mental crate. Right. So the bed becomes a crate with no walls, no door, Mm -hmm. but mentally they surrender to the activity and go, okay, mom put me here. So I have to stay here until she invites me to do something else. Wow. And then that's how they can be socially. They can be part of the group. They can be Mm -hmm. in the living room with the family without causing any issues. Right. And then once the humans have come down and the energy of the room has come down, then we can ask the dog to come join the group to integrate. Mm-hmm. But the biggest issue is going to be your guests mm-hmm. because they're going to create tons of excitement. Put your dog on a tin, a Chuck E. Cheese tin. Feed her crap. 
Feeder crap. <laughs> yeah. And so they're Nachos. just, they're working against you. I know. And it's not fair. It right. takes, was it, it takes a village to raise a kid or it something? It takes a village. It takes a community to raise dogs properly. Wow. Otherwise they're working against you. Mm-hmm. You know, the dog lover. Yes. Oh my God. Is that a, <laughs> is that a cavapoo? Yes. Or what was it? A Bichon? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my mm-hmm. God. Yeah. Yeah, like don't touch my dog with that energy. (laughs) Don't touch her because I don't want her learning that that's what strangers represent. Mm -hmm. I want strangers to ignore her. Yeah. So that she thinks new humans mean nothing. Neutral. Neutral. Exactly. Exactly. Just like you were talking about earlier. But we're all working against each other when it comes to raising dogs. Yeah, I have to agree. Because we're selfish. We are selfish. We're selfish. I mean, we are. Selfish and life is too easy. I think there's a book out now. I can't remember the title. I think it's called The Comfort Crisis. Mm. And it talks about just how comfortable we are and how it's messing up our kids and our animals in our lives. And it gives you some tangible steps you can take to, to make some tweaks because mm-hmm. life is so comfortable. You actually have to be intentional about creating challenge. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yes, I do. Mm-hmm. And so I think that, I think that's the name of the book. If it is, if you're listening, if you like what we're talking about, mm-hmm. maybe check it out. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think it's ruining kids. I know it's ruining dogs. Oh, oh, yeah. It's putting money in my pocket. So <laughs> <laughs> I have one more question for yeah. you and I've just, I'm curious because, and uh, I was raised Catholic, so I have a lot of guilt. So there's that. But um, let's talk religion. <laughs> I was I was asking you before the show. So I purchased. I hate that word, but I purchased Lala from a breeder in California. Mm-hmm. And um, people, a lot of people said, "Why would you do that mm-hmm. when you can rescue a dog?" What are your thoughts? Do you have a, I mean, because I feel like rescuing, I wasn't equipped yeah. to rescue a dog. Now, maybe now, because I know you, <laughs> Yeah, there's that, but do you yeah. know, does that make sense? Um, and kind I was of. looking for really specific, I, you know, didn't shed, yeah. you know, yeah. I, there was so many, I, I did the research. Can human, you imagine me res- researching? So, no, uh, <laughs> shocking. Yeah, but it's all based on human convenience, right? So yeah. everything everything I deal with is based on human convenience. So whenever I hear a client, just to validate that in another context, I hear a client say, yeah, we have two dogs, but only this dog needs to come to you. The other dog never pees in the house, never poops in the house, never chews anything up, doesn't bite people. So like, she's fine. I'm like, She's fine. She's an anxious mess. Right. But because she's convenient for you, you're not going to send her to me. So it's not about the dog's happiness. It's about the human's convenience. Mm -hmm. So the way you chose your dog was based on human convenience, Mm -hmm. which there's nothing wrong with, but I just need to point it out. Oh, absolutely. Because we have to understand why we're doing what we're doing. Mm -hmm. And then we need to hold ourselves responsible to um, do what's needed for, again, the, the, animal that we purchased and trapped mm-hmm. in our home. Mm-hmm. Right. And people hate when I say that Ugh. it sounds terrible, but you know what? It's the, truth. it's the truth. Does she have a choice? No. Correct. But if she, if I let her outside, she just stands at the door. She's not going anywhere. No, she's not. Cause she knows where she gets fed. <laughs> she's, she's not going anywhere. Yeah. But she doesn't have a choice is the point. And none of the dogs do, but to get back to your question, um, man, I could talk about this topic for an hour, but I'll try to keep it short. Like <laughs> bottom line is we cannot rescue enough dogs to fix the problem. The only solution to getting us to a better place, in my opinion, 
is responsible breeding. Because one of my frustrations currently, and I've been talking about this a lot with a lot of people, is um, I'm not getting paid to train dogs or rehabilitate dogs. I'm getting paid to do the best I can with the crappy genetics that I'm being given to keep them in a family's home. Gosh. Because the genetics are so bad. The breeding is so bad. bad that I'm dealing with neurological cases constantly, constantly. Oh my gosh. And I'm doing the best I can to give the family information and education and then give the dog some life skills to keep them in the home. And I don't enjoy it. Yeah. I got in this business because I like rehabilitating dogs, mm-hmm. actual dogs. Right. Like I got one in from Louisiana the other day, Rags, cool dog but he's a dog dog. Mm-hmm. His instincts are spot on. He's picking stuff up left and right. And it's because he's a dog. Mm-hmm. He doesn't have a learning disability. There's not wires crossed. You know, he doesn't have like massive physical issues because of the genetics. I mean, he's just a good dog wow. and he's picking it up so fast. And that's the way it's supposed to be. But responsible breeding, and I don't mean species, uh, uh, sorry, I don't mean breed specific, like legit breed mutts that have proper dog instincts mm-hmm. that are healthy, that are just good family pets. Right. I don't care about the breed and the, no. how long the legs are and if no. the coat's a certain, like breed good dogs. Right. Put legislation in place to be able to go after backyard breeders. Put something in place that makes any family who wants to purchase a dog, they have to go through a course like mm-hmm. mine. Like there just needs to be legislation. There needs to be some control over this thing because people are buying puppy mill dogs that are genetic train wrecks. Mm. And it, it's, it's just like uh, keeping the cycle going. Right, right. And then rescues, I mean, as we say in Texas, bless their hearts. Mm-hmm. I, I know that the heart's in the right place and I know that they love dogs, but pulling dogs out of shelters and putting them in homes with uneducated families mm-hmm. and untrained dogs is not helping. Right. That's, I, and I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution. solution. So Bevel Dog Rescue exe- exists as a 501c3 to educate humans and to create platforms that will allow rescues to become a little better at um, saving dogs' lives, educating humans. So there's an education platform piece to it. So human education piece, but then there's also a software side to it where... Um, we're going to help match fosters to rescue dogs and then we're going to help match adopters to rescue dogs. Mm-hmm. So you, if you logged in and you filled out the profile, you would only see dogs that are a fit for your family. Mm-hmm. That's it. You wouldn't see the other 200 dogs because you're going to fall in love with the blue eyes that is going to wreck your life right. over the internet, fall in love versus getting the right dog. The right one which then shifts into bevel dog behavior. The, the profit side is matchmaking service moving forward. It's not rehabilitation. It's if you're going to buy a dog, if you're going to buy a house, do you get a realtor? <laughs> exactly. Cool. If you're going to buy a dog that's going to live 15 years, maybe get an expert to help you get the right one for your home. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So bevel dog behavior becomes a matchmaking service. And Bevel Dog Rescue becomes an education and like a platform development service to help rescues become better. Right. And that's my whole mission. It's like change the world, not like I can't do what I want to do, training six dogs at a time. Mm -mm. You know what I mean? It's It's got to be bigger. 
You are so good. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, this I this is so enlightening. I mean, I could keep talking and talking and same. I gotta get I've got to get you back on here though. Paul, for sure. Give me some more tequila. We'll keep going. <laughs> Paul will get a guest tequilas for sure. <laughs> he did definitely a good job. will. He will. Well, I appreciate you so much. I know Thank big you. things are ahead for you. I can't wait to hear about your books and your own so many go to his Instagram. I was stalking him. Yeah. <laughs> pretty much. Go and what is your Instagram? It's just at Bevel Dog Behavior. Yeah, Bevel Dog Behavior. And Bevel Dog and uh, YouTube is Bevel Dog Behavior. It's just Bevel Dog Behavior. It's just yeah. Bevel Dog Behavior, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. Well, it's a pleasure having you. Thank you. And uh, I can't wait to have you again. I'd love Hopefully to come back. Work, work, get, work together again soon. So. so good to finally meet you. You too. Well, everyone, thank you so much for listening today and hopefully giving some tips and, and tricks and some, some knowledge like you've never heard before. So everyone, follow along at Tiffany C. Blackman and go write and review this and let us know what you'd like to hear. And everyone... Keeping fabulous.